Okay, so we have been doing, does anybody know what we've been doing? John's been doing this. Okay, pictures of Christ. Pictures or shadows. Shadows of Christ. So here's the thing. I think one of the hardest things for me in my life has been to raise children. And I'm not done raising my children, but it's been very difficult to learn how to raise children. Because every time you think you know what they're going to do, they all of a sudden do the opposite of it. Whenever you think they're going to do that this time, they go and do totally opposite. Sometimes they fight about the stupidest things ever. I mean, where, what position you are in the seat and how close you got to me and whether you, whether you hit the other person because they said something you shouldn't have said and, and then they're angry back and forth. I mean, they get crazy about things and I'm sure none of you ever would do that, oh. ever. Um, but it is difficult to understand exactly. It's difficult to teach kids growing up exactly what to do next in their life. It is very difficult. And so what you do, at least in my theory, is every single moment, you can't wait to pile it all up and say, well, I don't really care what they do. And then one day I'm just going to get and tell them what's going right, to be right. And then they're going to get it all. And it's going to be like, and they'll, they'll be great. What you, what you have to do instead of trying to wait for that perfect moment is take every moment that you can and try to teach them. That's what they call it, like teachable moments. You ever heard of teachable moments, right? <laughs> and there are so many of them when you're trying to raise children. Like every single thing you talk about, everything you do, everything they watch you do, everything they do, every time they come back and say, well, uh, I did this and my brother did that and I can't believe he did that. Well, as I'm thinking about a teachable moment, sometimes when you do this to your sister, it's exactly like what he's doing to you. So maybe you should learn how to take care of your own self. Every one of those times you take, and you take the opportunity to learn. And why is that? Because nobody learns in one sitting everything they need to know. People have to be taught and shown from a hundred different angles what things are like, what the truth is. And a lot of times they still don't get it. We kind of are slow on the uptake here. We just don't quite get it until over time things sink in. So that's really what God did, I think, when God looked down amongst this planet of humans and said, I'm going to create humans. And they're not going to do a good job at following me. And I'm going to have to go down there and I am going to have to save them. I'm going to send Christ down. But it won't be enough that I just go down and send Christ. Because they won't get it. They won't understand. They won't know that he came. They won't know that he left. They, know, they won't know what he did or what it meant. And so I have to teach them from the very, very beginning of time 
what it means when Jesus comes. And so in order to do that, he creates history of human race. He puts it together and he uses, we'll call them teachable moments as time goes on. He takes the way families fit together. He takes the way nations fit together and tribes fit together. He takes opportunities in people's lives and he shows the human race again and again and again. This is a good thing. This points to Christ that's coming down, down the road. Because even though Christ showed up and he was born in Bethlehem and he died, many people missed it. Really. They lived right with him and they didn't get it. They watched him do miracles and they turned their backs on him. They didn't understand what God was doing all along. So this is where we're going back through some of the pictures or the shadows of Christ where God is teaching lessons. And he's saying, do you see what this person does in their life? That's a really good thing. Oh, yeah, 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 that's great. Do you see what happened to Adam? Adam fell, and Adam then became, they talked about Christ the very first time when Adam and Eve fell. They did the wrong thing. God starts pointing them to Jesus. He talks about sacrifice. He talks about uh, an animal must die. They come with fig leaves, right? They were all set. We're all covered up. And God says, no, 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 that's not going to work. An animal has to die. There has to be a life lost for your sin. Something will die. By the way, that was the very first death ever recorded in the Bible. Was that animal comes from the skins that God makes them clothes out of. Okay? And that's a picture saying something must die. You have to understand that. You brought death into this world. And just like you brought it in with one person's sin, Jesus is going to come along and he's going to save you, give you the opportunity to be forgiven through his actions, just one person. Okay? So, Along comes other people, Joseph and Moses and Abraham, and all of them have different pictures of Christ. Okay? One day, Moses is out leading the Israelites, and there is a pool of bitter water, and nobody can drink it. It's poisonous water. Moses takes a tree, throws it in the water, and all of a sudden, it's clean. It was a representation of a tree that would come along someday and change that pool of bitter water. Okay? It was called the pool of Marah, pool of sadness and sorrow, bitterness. So, too, a tree would come along one day. Jesus has died on the tree, and he would take away the sadness and the sorrow. All these little pictures God kept teaching and teaching and teaching all along the way. So, we see, we've seen several different things that have happened along the way up to this point. And we are going to uh, hit a couple of the big lessons in the book of Joshua. Joshua is an interesting 
fellow, Joshua. Now you hear that name, and it's interesting because it means something, all right? Joshua means Jehovah is help. Jehovah is help. Okay? Or, in other words, shortened salvation. It means salvation. Joshua's the name that means salvation. Now that's interesting because as you come along, there's also another fellow you've heard of. His name is Jesus. His name in Hebrew, because Joshua is a Hebrew name, right? Actually kind of translated from, from Hebrew. His name in Hebrew means, is Yeshua. means the same thing. Jesus' name and Joshua's name means the very same thing. Jehovah is help. Salvation. That's what they mean the same thing. And that's not by mistake because God was teaching a lesson. God reached down into the hearts of Joshua's parents although he had no parents because he was the son of none. Remember that someday. Okay. <laughs> N-U-N. Okay. Joshua was the son of Nun, and he, he and his wife chose the name Joshua, saying, Jehovah is help. Now, Jesus, Jesus is translated from Greek into English. Okay. But his Hebrew name, the same name, is, is Yeshua. Okay. Or Joshua. Same, same name comes along because they are the same thing Joshua is pointing to Jesus all right so how does he point to him all right now Moses you remember what Moses did what's the famous thing that Moses did anybody know well give me a couple of top famous things part of the Red Sea okay brought people out of Egypt, right? And he gave them something very famous that you, you might all know. You should all know. Ten Commandments. Okay? And beyond the Ten Commandments, he wrote other books of the law. Okay? Books of Leviticus. Okay, there's laws and things to do to follow the Ten Commandments. The law has a purpose. What was the purpose of the law? Why did God say, here's my Ten Commandments. Here's the things you should not do. Why did he do it? Anybody know? How do we know what we do wrong? Because we know what's right, right? We know what the law. God says, here's the things you will do. In other words, okay, don't do all these things, right? Don't commit adultery. That's what it says. 
makes it very clear. And then, as soon as you read the Ten Commandments, you look and you say, ah, well, I think I'm good on a couple of them, not so good on a couple other ones. And then Jesus comes along and says, well, if you've ever, you know, people could say, well, I didn't commit adultery. If you've ever looked at a woman wrong in your mind to lust after, you committed adultery already. Did he do that to condemn people? No. Jesus did it to point out that we all need salvation. That's the point of the law, to teach us that we are sinful. We didn't make it. Here's your Ten Commands. You can't even do ten of them. Can't even get ten of them right. Try to live your life and do them all perfectly. You can't do it. That's the point of the law. To teach you that you can't make it. I can't make it. Okay? I can't make it. I cannot do it. So that was Moses. Now Joshua has been with Moses from the very first time the spies entered the promised land. And Joshua was one of two spies that came back and said, we can take the promised land. We're going to do it. He and Caleb came back and said, we're going to take the promised land. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. Ten spies of the twelve came back and said, we can't do it. There's giants and we're scared. And they're going to crush us. So the whole nation, under Moses' leadership, said, we're not going to go and give, get the promised land. So God made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the entire generation of Israelites died off. And when the entire generation of Israelites was dead, Moses brought them to the edge of the promised land and went up to the mountainsides on the promised land, and God took Moses' life there. Moses never got to walk into the promised land. And Joshua took over leadership and was able to take them into the promised land. So here was Moses representing the law. I can't make it. right? I can't do it on my own. I just can't get there on my own. There's no way I can do it. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus says, Jesus says, you can't make it, you're right, but I'm here to help you. I'm here to give you victory in your life. I'm here to go above the law because I have I have fulfilled the law. I'm coming to fulfill the law. All right? So Joshua chapter 1 verse number 1 and 2. Read that please as we pick up Okay, so here it is. Joshua, Moses is gone. You are now in charge, in control. You are going to take them into the promised land. So, so here is that map that we've drawn so many times. Right? They 
cross over, there's the Red Sea, okay? And this area here is the promised land. So Moses takes them out. This is the Nile River. They, they go through Egypt. They end up crossing the Red Sea, and they go out wandering here for 40 years. They get to the edge of the promised land, which is the Jordan River, is the border. Moses is taken to the mountains and is gone. Moses is dead, and now Joshua is going to lead them across. God is in control at this point. This represents a time, an opportunity in your life. The promised land does not equal heaven. The promised land is a life of obedience and power as a Christian. A life where you are able to do great and amazing things because God, Jesus specifically, is with you. You were able to have victory, right? Victory in your life because you're able to go and take out those inhabitants of the promised land that shouldn't be there. The ones that worship other gods. You go and you have victory over these cities. That's what Joshua is all about going from one city to another city to another city. And he goes and he fights a lot of battles. And every time that they are obedient, they win the battle. And when they are not obedient, they lose the battle. This is a picture, a shadow of Christ. In your life, you have the opportunity as someone who says, I believe in God. You have the opportunity to do more, not just get by on the, by the skin of your teeth. You are to do more, and God says, I'll help you do more. You want to take and have great blessings in your life? Go in and take that city. So what does a walled city in there represent in you and your life today? What could be an example? Something that a walled city could represent. So many of you. So, what's that? Um, it could, it it would be after you're done. Yes, and yes, you bring God's presence in, but the city, remember, is filled with the enemy. Okay, so the enemy, you're going to take it, and you need God's presence. But what it is is something in your life that you need to have victory over. Something that you struggle with. It might be fear. It might be anxiety. It might be lust. It might be anger. It might be selfishness. It's something in your life that Jesus says, I'll help you with that. I will help you conquer that. It takes faith and obedience. And the picture of this is, Jesus says, I'm going to take you to victory. One of these cities at a time. You aren't going to go and got the whole thing all down. You're going to go through 
and you're going to get victory. So what do they do? Well, they go through and they begin to get some victories. Jesus is here to do something different. Now remember what Moses came. He came to bring the law, right? He brings the law. And the law says, here's how you can live. Here's how you need to live. Joshua comes in and says, I'm going to help you fulfill the law in your lives. I'm going to help you live the way you should. You're going to look at that and say, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. We're going to go through and we're going to battle. And we're going to win battles. And we're going to take over cities. And we're going to conquer the lands. And we're going to get out the inhabitants. Okay, We're going to take those people out. Because we don't want the evil influence of those people. We want good things in our lives. And so Joshua comes in and says, I'm going to fulfill what a real Christian life looks like. With conquered cities. When you first say, Jesus, I believe in you. Struggle with anger still. Struggle with selfishness. And as God goes through your life with you, as you go on the journey in your life, he wants to see fruit in your life. That's how we know you're real as a, as a believer. right? You have fruit in your life. You have fruit. It means you get changed over time. Not all at once. You're still going to mess up and do things, but you're going to have fruit. It's, it's personally you. It's nobody else. I can't give you fruit. Okay? Pastor Olson can't give you fruit in your life. Your mom and dad can't give you fruit. It's you and God. That's it. And you and God will answer for what you did. Okay? God is doing all he can to help you. I will answer for what I do, where I struggle. Okay? And Jesus says, I'm here in Matthew chapter 5. Let's turn back. Keep your, keep your hand in Joshua. Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter number 5, verse number 17 and 18, where we left off, please. This is Jesus talking. Matthew 5, verse 17 and 18. This is Jesus explaining his purpose to come to earth. And here he is. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Okay, here it is. He says, the law stands from the day that I come till the day that the end of the world comes. The law is still right. What God says is still right. Here's the standard to live by. And no one can do it, and so I'm here to fulfill it. I'm here to give you victory, to help you walk through what you cannot walk through on your own. You cannot have victory on your own and say, I did all the Ten Commandments. Because the first moment you say that in front of God, God will say, well, what about that? And what about your motive there? And you didn't do right there. And you made a choice there. And you said that there. And you thought that there. You weren't quite as perfect as you thought. And really, if you think you have all of the, the commandments down, I'm guessing it's because you're self-centered. 
which is a sin, right? <laughs> because you don't understand what really is happening. That's what we are so blinded to our own selves. And so Jesus says, I'm going to come and I'm going to help you through every step of the way. Joshua is the same way. And he gives us that picture to say Joshua's coming and fighting the battles. And so they cross and they do that great battle there. That great battle is the first city they're going to go to. And it is a city of, anybody know? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Jericho. Hey, all right. The, the battle of Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. But before we get there, we got to go back in the story a little bit. Okay. Joshua is a good military leader, and he sends out a few spies into the city. A couple, to be precise. And those two spies go into the city undercover to find out what the city's like. And they get inside the town. And this is before the army of Israel even comes up to the walls. They sneak into town, and they wander around. They find a lady who is not such a nice lady, actually. She's a prostitute. Maybe hanging out on the street corner. I don't know. But they find this lady named Rahab. Okay? And Rahab, as they run up with Rahab, Rahab uh, sort of is a nice lady to them, I guess. Okay? And she brings them up to her apartment, which usually is a bad thing, right? With a prostitute, right? Bad things are going to happen. Except she is actually there to save them because people here, the army within Jericho, hears that they're spies. I don't know how they figured it out. But they hear that they're spies and they're on their trail. Rahab takes them into her home and hides them. And because of Rahab's actions, she hides them. The army comes in and she's like, I don't know where they are. She had hidden them under basically a pile of grain up on her roof top. Okay? She lives in the wall of the city, which is not unusual. Usually the city walls wrap around the city, and in the walls are built different levels of homes, okay? And so, not in the lower ones, there aren't windows in the lower parts of the walls, right? Because that would really defeat the purpose of a wall, right? But in the upper parts, where if you lived in the upper parts, you would have a roof section, and you would have a window in the upper parts of your outer wall of the city. I'm sure there were shutters and things to protect during, if a if a, an army came to defeat you, all right? But she hid these men on the roof and then slipped them out and says, can you remember me? Just remember me. And they said, because you've done this, we're going to protect you. Now, she's a prostitute. She is not a lady that does the right thing. She has not chosen to do the right thing. Except in that moment, she said, that those people in Israel do have a real God. And it was that much belief. Just 
the tiniest bit enough for her to protect them for that one instance. And God says, save her. Save her. So she, he spoke to those spies and said, save her. So let's go into uh, Joshua chapter 2, verses 18 through 21, as they have the conversation. They're the two spies with Rahab the harlot, the prostitute. Chapter 18, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. Please pick up there. Okay, so here it is. She saves them. She lets them down through the outer window by a scarlet thread, okay, or there's a red rope. She happens to have a rope dyed red. Lets them down out the outer sides of the wall, and they said, don't say a word in what's happening, but we're coming back. And they said, if you leave that rope in your window... You bring all your family inside your house, not outside of your house. Don't have them wherever they live. Inside your house with that red window, we guarantee you will be safe. Now they're trusting that God can do it. And so they do. They come back and they defeat Jericho. And the walls come tumbling down, as the song says, except for one house, Rahab's house that stood. Isn't that a strange thing? Because the red rope hung out her window. The walls crushed and said they fell flat. And there's one section of wall with one family in it with a red rope out their window. It is God's plan to save this woman. It wasn't the people. The army couldn't do it. But God planned to save this woman. She didn't do what was right. And yet, God said... I will take you and I will help you. And much more than that, I'm going to make something different of you. All right? Keep your hand in. So that was the purpose of, of the red rope is to save Rahab. Okay? John chapter 3, verse 17. The famous one is John 3, 16, right? John chapter 3, verse 17. Keep your hand in Joshua. Because you're going to go back there. But here is the next one, John chapter 3, verse 17. Read that, please, if you would. Chapter 3, verse 17. No. Are you in 1st John? No, I'm in verse 11. Oh. <laughs> John 3.17. For God sent not his son into the world to 
them. Okay? Jesus' pur purpose is to save people. That's why he came. Not to condemn them, but to save them. If anybody else, if the whole town would have said, I believe you, Rahab, and these people are coming and they have a real God, if the whole town would have got inside of Rahab's house with a red rope, they'd all been saved. But it was only those who believed that God was in control, was in charge. And so, back in Joshua, Joshua comes in and Joshua defeats them. Now, the interesting thing about this, Rahab. Rahab is saved. God puts Rahab into the royal bloodline. Rahab marries a man named Salmon. Spelled just like the fish. I don't know. I wouldn't have named him that, but whatever. Right? They have a son named Boaz. Boaz names, marries a very famous woman called Ruth. She has a whole book of the Bible named after her. Okay, so their son is Boaz. Boaz marries Ruth. There's a whole picture in that story, too. But Boaz marries Ruth. They have a son named Obed. Also an odd name, right? And then Jesse is their grandson. And then a little boy named David is their great-grandson, whom turned out to be the king of Israel. Okay, God chose him as the king of Israel. Rahab, the prostitute, becomes a great, great, whatever, grandmother of King David, and that is the royal line through which Jesus comes, ultimately. Because Jesus did not come to condemn the world. Jesus came to save it. All you need to do is believe in me. You need to trust me. And you need to know that I'm going to come with you in your life and we're going to conquer some of those things. We're going to walk with you in there. We're going to work through those things. And I'm going to take those walled cities down with you. Just like Joshua. Marching through and marching around. And Joshua marched around the city and for lack of time, we won't read it. It's in chapter 6 of Joshua. He marched around the city. You might, you might know the story. Each day they march around the city one time, and they go home. And then Joshua comes back with his army on the seventh day, marches around it seven times, and they blow the trumpet, and the walls come down. Never do you win a battle with a trumpet, okay? <laughs> just, you just don't win a battle with a trumpet unless... If God says, that's what I'm going to do. Because it is not your hand in the battle that wins. It's God. That is what's important to know about your Christian life. The shadow of Jesus coming into your life saying, we're going to defeat these walled cities. The things that you struggle with. The things that pull you away from God. We're going to defeat them. One by one. And guess what? It's going to be a miracle every one that's done. It's not your hand. You have to agree. You're going to march around the city, but you won't lift your sword. I will do the work. I will conquer those cities for you. That's what God says. That's what Jesus does. He comes not to condemn, but to save. Okay, That's what he's doing. 
And so he does that, and in that picture of Joshua, he comes and he takes out those walled cities. Now, hundreds of years later, Jesus himself walks through that city of Jericho. No more walls. They're all gone. It's a part of Israel. As they pass through Jericho, it's a part of Israel. Okay? Because Joshua long ago obeyed, still, hundreds of years later, Jesus himself walks through Jericho and something famous happens. He sees a little tiny guy up in a tree. Zacchaeus, another song for you, right? Was a wee little man and he's up in a tree and Jesus says, come on down. Now, Zacchaeus was kind of a little weasel. He stole from people. He was a tax collector. He was a cheat and a sneak and a thief. And Jesus said, come on down. The whole of society hates you. Because everybody hates a tax collector, right? Nobody likes it. And then they thought they were a lower life form. Jesus says, come on, I'm going to your house. We're going to have dinner. You and me, we got some things to talk about. He turns around the heart, the big walls in Zacchaeus' heart. The theft, he gives back what he gave four times. If he ever stole from anybody, I'm, I'm giving it back. And he says, I'm giving half of my wealth to the poor. He changed and he broke down the walls. Now those are the walls that Jesus came to break down. Not the big walled cities, but the walls in the human heart that hold out God and say, I don't want you here. Don't come in my space. I don't want you here. And Jesus comes to break those walls down. So the representation of what Joshua did hundreds of years before, Jesus is fulfilling. He is doing. Right there on the very spot that Joshua stood, hundreds of years later, he comes back and does what God's plan is because that's what the human race needs, not conquering of cities. Mankind has traded back and forth who's won and nations and cities and battles for thousands of years, but only Christ comes and breaks down, breaks down the walls in our heart. He's the only one that can do it. That was the big picture that he had, that God says, I've got a picture for you. I want you to understand what Jesus is coming to do. He is salvation. Jehovah is help. Right? Just like Joshua marches through and takes city after city, Jesus comes and marches through life with you to work towards obedience, to work towards who fruit in your life. Jesus does that just like Joshua. And so there's a picture, a shadow of what is to come, the real Jesus. Joshua is a shadow of what is to come. And God teaches us through shadows of what Jesus is. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day.